Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sex Ed Enthusiast Podcast. I am your host, Meredith Brewer, and pretty much, you know, if you aren't familiar with the podcast or if you're just now joining us, I just talk about sex ed-related information. So I'm here to answer it the best way I can and just honestly create a safe space to talk about these uncomfortable things that, you know, we were too scared to ask when we were younger or even now as adults that we're, you know, just not sure about. So, uh, you know, before we get started on today's topic, I kind of wanted to backtrack because if you've noticed, there's been quite a gap in episodes. I decided to take a break this summer um, for a multitude of reasons, but the first being my creativity and the content production, just it wasn't there. And I felt like the last couple episodes I was creating, I was just doing the research, spitting that research back out to you guys, the listeners, and really not making it personal. So with the new start of the episodes, I'm going to still cover very important topics, but I'm going to make it personal too. Um, I'm going to, you know, share things that are happening with me and in my life, you know, tell you kind of what's going on as a 26-year-old woman, uh, you know, regular life things, I guess. But uh, I'm going to make it more personal and hopefully less dry. You know, I feel like I can be such a comedian around my friends, but then as soon as I was getting in front of this podcast, I would get super nervous and just kind of like get through the information and, and just edit it real quick and throw it on you know the Spotify page or whatever it was so I'm not going to do that anymore it's going to be a lot more personal so if you want to kind of know the things happen in my life this is definitely a good place to start another reason I took a pause was um, my last episode I had used it as a platform to come out that I am bisexual And my intention was to do a follow-up episode about how uh, coming out has gone and my reactions. But soon after the podcast was released, uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned. And I was feeling a lot of emotions about that. Um, Still feeling a lot of emotions about that. And I just thought, you know, this is not really the time. Um, I needed to take some space from it and really absorb the implications that are going to happen on me personally as well as other people that you know that this affects them directly or just the people that I plan on serving in my life you know working in nonprofits and things of that nature so Roe v. Wade really threw me off for my summer um, and I just thought you know that I'll just take a pause and we can kind of come back to it um, still pissed about the whole thing Another reason I took a break from the podcast is uh, transitioning in my life and transitioning, you know, as in like moving from different places and into a new role. So previously, I was working at a nonprofit in Flagstaff, but the nonprofit just wasn't a long-term goal for me, or this one specifically. My long-term career goals include working with adolescents and sexual reproductive health. So essentially what I'm doing now, but with adolescents versus working with older adults, adults, which is what I was doing in Flagstaff. So 
I decided to apply to grad school and this summer I moved uh, from Flagstaff to Tucson and I am now a master's of public health student with a concentration in global health at the University of Arizona. So I'm really excited about this new um, journey in my life, but it is really overwhelming. I moved down a couple weeks before classes started and <laughs> it just took some getting used to of like not working an eight to five anymore. And then once classes started, I was like, I don't remember how I used to study or like I don't remember how I used to function as an undergrad student. So it's been an adjustment the last couple weeks. Um, and for, you know, one of my scholarships, I am working to do another podcast with the Department of Med and it just got me inspired again to create content for this podcast and for you guys. And, you know, this is a passion project of mine. I do this out of, you know, interest and love and yeah. I'm so sorry. That is my dog in the background trying to play with her toys. Um, but essentially, you know, I'm, I'm back in it. My creativity is back and I'm really excited to kind of get back into talking with you guys. So um, where to begin? If you guys have any questions also, like if you have any questions about it doesn't have to be, I guess, sex ed related sex related whatever it is shoot me a message on instagram or if you know me personally send me a text like let me know reach out um i'm more than willing i either know the information or i can help you find the information that you might need um i've actually had some i had a couple strangers reach out to me through the sex ed enthusiast instagram you know asking for certain content to be covered certain topics and you know these weren't friends or family so it really kind of it motivated me again. It made me feel really good that, you know, other people are listening to this podcast. So I want to do them justice. Um, you know, make sure to follow the podcast, leave a review. Um, I would love to see if you guys are loving it or hating it, whatever it is, you know, how I can points of improvements, whatever. Um, but you know, now that I've just like rambled on, uh, (laughs) figure, you know, let's start talking about our, t- our subject today, pap smears and colposcopies. All right, sex ed enthusiasts, um, let me set the scene for how today's episode came about. A couple weeks before school, I wasn't working. I was just trying to adjust to my new home. And as one does in a new area, I figured, you know, let's just open up the dating apps. Let's, uh, see what this city has to offer compared to my last city and you know that led to to a couple dates so I was enjoying myself uh before classes started and you know I was enjoying myself so much I was like you know what I wasn't being the most careful person um I you know essentially I wasn't using condoms and there I didn't have any reason to believe that my partners had or partner had an STD, but I just wanted to make sure. Um, I was just being a little irresponsible and I thought, you know, I can't sit here on my podcast and tell you, you know, you need to use condoms and be safe if I'm not doing it myself. So I thought, you know what, that was risky behavior, but I'm about to start classes here soon and my student health insurance started. So I'm like, let's just go take advantage of the campus health services. Like, 
their whole thing that they advertise amongst the many things um, is STI screenings. So I just figured might as well take advantage of the services I have on campus. And I like to do at least one STD test, STI test once a year because just preventatively. Um, since I'm not in a, you know, a relationship, I don't have one, I don't have like an honest partner right now. Um, I just, you know, want to look out for myself. It's the same reason that, you know, when you get older, getting um, colonoscopies or mammograms, you know, just like preventative medicine. There's nothing wrong with that. So I decided, well, let's just, let's just go utilize the services. So I popped over to the health services and I said, you know, hey, I want to get an STI test. I don't really have any reason. Um, like I don't have any symptoms or anything, but I just want to do a preventative screening just, you know, to make sure I'm good. So if anybody tries to come at me like, hey, when was the last time you got tested? I can be like, August 2022. Um, so I got in there they're like, oh yeah, no problem. We got a, you know, an appointment opening in 15 minutes. I'm like, solid. I'll wait. So I went in um, to do the test. I'm like going through my whole vagina history essentially because they're not, they don't really ask about partners as a woman. They're, you know, asking last menstrual menstruation. I always throw them off because I'm like 2014 because of my birth control that I've been on. Um, but I told them, yeah, here's, you know, my history. I've had abnormal pap smears then normal pap smears I've had a colposcopy a couple of years ago it was pretty much inconclusive um so I just like was going through the whole history with them and she's like well you know since you've had a couple abnormals why don't we just while I'm down there why don't I just like go ahead and do one um I'm like okay great um yeah I guess if you're already down there I don't want to have to keep doing this I don't want to have to keep getting up in these these stirrups so let's just, let's just do it. So we're down there. She's down there. I'm chilling on the table. Um, but she's down there. I'm Punani out for the wind. And she's like, well, starts asking me questions if I've had any other symptoms. Um, she's like, I think, you know, I'm going to also test for, you know, bacterial vaginosis, you know, to see if there's anything wrong. Um, I was like, oh, I haven't had any symptoms. Like nothing's been different. And she's like, yeah, we'll just do it. I'm, again, I'm already down here. I'll just run a test for everything. I'm like, okay, great. So she did the pap smear. Um, and I'm going to go over what all these different things I'm saying are. Uh, but essentially, she took a giant con swab or brush. I don't remember which one. Swabbed my cervix and uh, just took the test. And um, we did the, the gonorrhea and chlamydia test as well. And I got those results the following week. And when I got done, she was like, okay, like, you'll, you know, we'll tell you what it is in the following week and you'll know then. And I was like, okay, well, um, thanks doc. And I left. So the next week while I was waiting for my test results, I was like, no sex, need to make sure, you know, I'm good. And then I got my results back and the chlamydia and gonorrhea were um, negative. So that was good. And then my pap test came back and she's like, well, you know, you had an abnormal pap and you had a positive HPV. Um, since you haven't had a colposcopy in two years, I want to go ahead and do one again. And I'm like, uh, do I really have to? Like, I don't want to have to go through that. Um, not the biggest fan of having to do it. And once I explain it, um, if you're not familiar what a colposcopy is, you know, you'll understand. But then I 
went the following week to get the colposcopy done and uh it was really frustrating i started crying um started crying for a couple reasons i was really crying out of anger that like i keep getting abnormal pap smears that you know i keep getting these issues and i don't know why and then like the all this stuff keeps getting normalized and like they keep telling me not to worry but like here I am worrying and so I started crying before they even started out of frustration and then um I started crying then I continued crying because it hurt and then I would kept crying afterwards because I realized I hadn't cried in probably four months and so the floodgates had just been open because I, you know I've been feeling all these emotions like I've needed to cry and it just hasn't happened and so my body just took it as all right the emotional release is happening right now so there I was during the colposcopy just bawling my eyes out and they were probably like terrified that I was crying so much I I don't know if anybody else cried as much as I did but again it was it was such a combination of things like this is what I get for like suppressing my feelings um, and my need to like express them in the moment. And I don't. And I really wish that I was in a better habit of that. But got that done. It hurt. She put this liquid bandaid on my cervix. She's like, that stuff's going to be shedding for the next couple of weeks. Like no swimming, no, um, you know, strenuous activities, no sex. And I'm like, I gotta go another week like and and I had plans to go hiking and swimming and like do all these things because it was Labor Day weekend and like they had I, I had to you know be a buzzkill like for the weekend it was so frustrating um I mean I still went hiking because I was like that's gonna happen regardless but the rest of it, it was super frustrating um I did get my test results back last week and thankfully um you know, there were some abnormal changes to my pap, but nothing of concern. Like, there's no leading cause. So, she's just like, you know what? We'll just do a repeat pap smear in a year, and we'll move on from there. So, um, good news is I'm not dying. Bad news is, like, again, I sat through a colposcopy just to have an, them tell me, like, everything's fine. Like, they get me all worried just to tell me everything's fine I go through the pain just for them to tell me everything is fine which I know like preventative medicine it should like I know the purpose and I know but it's like just going through the pain and then like I get worked up about the pain you know it's like getting a shot and you're like you're more worried you're you're more amped up before the shot than actually getting the shot but anyways so long story I know I know but let's kind of go over what the fuck are all these things I just said So first of all, we're talking about, in the female anatomy, we're talking about the cervix. And the cervix is that connecting factor between the vagina, the vaginal canal, and the uterus. So in order for the baby to come out, it has to pass through the cervix. In order for the sperm to get to the egg, it has to go through the cervix. It is that bridge, essentially. And this is something that I used to tell my students in Guyana that um the cervix is so tiny it is so tiny that only germs sperm and menstrual blood can pass through besides childbirth but it has to dilate 10 centimeters but it that's how tiny it is germs sperm things that you cannot see with the physical eye in menstrual blood can pass through the cervix so it's a pretty important pathway but the issue is that because it's so internal, 
cervical cancer can develop and women won't know. So the cervix has, you know, like anything else, its own layers of cells and it's just very susceptible to cancer. And that's also why we get the Gardasil shot. It doesn't protect you from HPV. It protects you from the strains that cause cancer on your cervix. So in combination with the HPV vaccine, Gardasil, um, you do a pap smear. So a pap smear is a procedure where the healthcare provider will take a small brush to gently remove cells from the surface of the cervix um, and the area around it. So that way it gets checked under a microscope to see if these cells have changed, um, you know, if there are any cancerous looking cells. So pap smears can also help find other conditions such as infections or inflammation. Um, and it's done with a pelvic exam that is like being felt at the top so they can feel for your uterus and ovaries at the top on the outside. Um, but they're doing our combination of things, um, that infections that they might be testing for is going to be HPV, which stands for human papillomavirus. Um, and during an, a, a, sorry, during a pap smear test, um, a speculum is inserted into the vagina to widen it and then that's when they take the brush through the speculum in order to you know they insert into the vagina to collect the cells from the the cervix so then it is sent off to the lab to see you know what your results are now your results could be normal so no sign of disease nothing irregular was found they could be unclear so the lab couldn't determine whether the cells are normal or abnormal and then your healthcare provider could, you know, come back, have you come back immediately or in six months to do another one. Um, that's for the unclear one. Then you could have abnormal. Um, and abnormal comes in so many different forms. Uh, so many, I'm not going to go through them today. But uh, essentially, I keep getting back the most common abnormal pap test finding, which is... Um, ASICs are atypical squamous cells of undetermined significance, so ACUS. Um, again, this is the most common abnormal finding. It just means that some cells don't look completely normal, but it's not clear if these changes are being caused by the HPV infection. Now, if you do have abnormal, if you do have the atypical, a lot of times at the same, they'll run the HPV test. So for me, I got the abnormal and I had an HPV test done and I, my HPV came back positive. Um, other things that cause cells to look abnormal include irritation, um, some infections like yeast infections, um, growths on the uterus, and, uh, you know, changes in hormones like during pregnancy or menopause. So although these things may make cervical cells look abnormal, they're not always related to, to cancer. And right, so like they only took the cells off the top layer to see if they're abnormal. Um, and it just really, it just really depends. So my top cells came back abnormal. And because I've now had a history of abnormal HPV positive tests, um, that's when you move to the colposcopy. Um, and again, it's really just dependent on your history. It's dependent on your healthcare to provider. Um, specifically for pap smears, you know, it's going to, a lot of the times people ask, well, how often do I have to get a pap smear? Um, and generally you, you know, you start getting pap smears around 21. Um, and be, 
be up until like 65 it just really depends but regular pap smears look different for everybody so if your last pap smear test was normal uh your provider may say you can wait three years you know it or you know it just the guidelines are always changing but it the general rule when you're between like in your 20s if you have a normal one you know they'll likely tell you you can wait three years or if you've you know you've had a history of normal ones um, if you are, you know, between the ages of 30 and 65 and your pap smear test was normal, then they might say you can, you know, again, wait another three years. Um, but if you all, and you also had a normal HPV test, they might say you can wait even five years. Again, it's dependent on the provider and the guidelines. Um, but that's if you have normal ones. Normal, you are likely to be told you're good for another couple of years. For me, uh, because I've had abnormals, Usually when you have an abnormal, they're going to say, okay, come back in a year. Let's test again. Even if you, ha- you test for HPV. The thing about HPV is that your body clears it on its own. There are so many strains of HPV. Like, at this day and age, like everyone ha- comes in contact with HPV if you are sexually active. Um, it, it really is that common. And it's so frustrating. I know I get frustrated hearing that like, you know, it's normal to have this. But it really is. A lot of times the body just fights it off like a flu infection. Uh, It's a virus, but it's not similar to, um, you know, like HIV or herpes. It's a different kind of virus. Uh, You know, it's not necessarily going to lay dormant in your body. So just kind of keeping that aware um, that it's okay if your HPV test comes back positive. Like I said, your body is going to clear it and even my doctor told me, she's like, you could have been exposed to a new strain. And that's why it's coming back positive. Because my pap smear a year ago was normal and my HPV was negative. So, you know, it's just, it's really dependent. She's like, you could have just been exposed to a new strain. And my body's going to deal with it. And you don't have any symptoms, right? Like, I don't have any symptoms to be like, oh, I you know, have HPV right now. It was like, I have no symptoms. I have no clue that it's happening. That's why it's also so common for people in their 20s, especially women in their 20s to have it. Um, And again, why doing pap smears is so important, but because HPV does and can alter your cells on your cervix. So, you know, if you get an abnormal test and you get a positive HPV test, take a breath you are fine. Um, you know, be having those conversations with your healthcare provider about your next steps. So for me, because my history has been on again, off again with normals and abnormals, that's when she was like, okay, we need to do a repeat colposcopy. Um, and to clarify, a colposcopy is when they take a biopsy of your cervix in order to test, like to get more in depth. Like I said, a pap smear just takes those surface levels. Um, that would be like, you know, just taking, wiping the top of your skin for the top skin cells. And so taking a biopsy would be like removing the mole that you might be concerned about. So the same thing happens for a colposcopy. Um, the healthcare provider is going to insert a speculum again um, to open up the vagina so they can view the cervix. And then they've got this like thing called a colposcope. So it's like this big ass thing big ass magnifying glass that they can really zoom in on your cervix and you know get a nice clear view instead of just blindly swiping like they do for your pap smear 
Um, and what they do under that, that scope is they're going to apply a vinegar solution. So, yeah, it, a vinegar solution. They're going to put that straight on your cervix. And that shit's going to burn. Not a lot, but it's going to burn. And what it does is the vinegar solution causes abnormal cells to turn white. So if cells are a little fucked up looking, they're going to turn white. And it's going to show these abnormal areas. So once they do that, then, you know, they're also going to put on some, they're going to put some iodine on the area and they're going to biopsy or cut out that abnormal tissue. Um, If it's a lot, then they won't take the whole thing. But I personally only had like a little small area. She's like, I biopsied all that small area that looked abnormal. And then they're also going to remove or biopsy um, what looks like normal uh, cervical tissue. So it's not always recommended, but a lot of providers will take two biopsies to just double check. Like, here's the normal, here's the abnormal, compare, make sure that no changes are happening with the ones that look already normal. So a lot of times you're like, does it hurt? I'm like, yeah, it hurt. It hurt. The vinegar solution burn. Also, this time, like I said, I was really worked up. I was crying like a big baby. I mean, to be fair, like, I cry during piercings. And I make a lot of sounds and I cuss a lot when I get tattoos. Even though I have a bunch of them. Still cry. Even with getting this done. Um, So, it's, you know, it's not a fucking walk in the park. I mean, they're all up in your business with sharp objects. I mean, and they know what they're doing, but it still sucks. And I think I was getting more pissed about the fucking patriarchy because it's so frustrating that men don't have to do this and they don't have to get up in stirrups and just have everything out in the open for the world to see. Well, not the world, but I guess for the provider to see and just have to deal with like these really invasive things that are, you know, just to keep us healthy. I mean, I don't want anybody coming at me though, like, well, no, like, we have to get our prostate checked, and, like, they stick fingers up our butt, and I was like, you like that shit any other way, so just, you know, chill out about it. We have to go through this stuff, and it's not even fun or enjoyable, so anyways, I'm getting off on a tangent. <laughs> um, overall, I just, you know, want people to know that it is not uncommon to get an abnormal pap smear. It is not something to, you know, don't worry before you have to. It's okay to kind of, you know, have those conversations with your healthcare provider. If you are over 21 and you haven't had a pap smear yet, you know, these are preventative screenings to protect you, to make sure that your body is doing okay. If infections go untreated, it can lead to pelvic inflammatory disease, um, which causes infertility. It can cause, you know, a bunch of other issues. And cervical cancer is something that can be prevented um, and something that you know, we can, if caught early enough, can be treated as quickly as possible. So I don't know. I just, it is a lot to take in when someone's like, you have an abnormal cervix and you tested positive for HPV. It's very, um, it's very overwhelming and I'm right there with you. And, you know, if you're ever like confused or just not sure what to do again, reach out to your healthcare provider, talk to them about it. And if they're not willing to talk to you about it, get a new one because they should be willing to and have good 
consoling information for you. Like I was freaking out during my colposcopy. The doctor stopped and she went through because I was mad about how normalizing things have been. And she's like, it's just a simple fact. Like just women in their 20s, you are likely to test positive for HPV. It's a known thing. It's fine. Like I really don't want you to stress about it. Um, and the other thing I was worried about is like, are these things I need to communicate with my partners? And she was like, it's really up to you. But in the end, like men, there's no test for men for HPV. So you're really just, you're not going to know. So it's up to you whether or not you want to disclose that information. But again, your body's going to clear it. So, you know, just do the protection. She's like, also HPV is transmitted from skin to skin contact too. So it's not just from, you know, like vaginal intercourse, like HPV, if they have, if they have the strain like on their skin, it can still be contracted um, to you. So like a condom isn't going to protect you from that. Um, And, you know, that doesn't mean like all of a sudden like go celibate, but just, you know, be aware that there's not a whole lot you can do with this strain. It's, you know, not like herpes. It's not like HIV. It's not like the other STIs. It's its own thing. Um, It's just, you know, it is contracted sexually for the most part. So that's why people, you know, there's all the stigmatization, stigma, stigmatization, can't say that word today, um, about STIs and, and all that stuff, but that's these infections, but it's only because they're transmitted sexually. So if you have a positive HPV test, you know, I really just leave it up to you um, on what you feel comfortable with. I mean, I would share it with a partner. Like I test the other times I tested positive or had an abnormal pap smears. I was in a monogamous relationship. So I did share that with them, but it was more so not out of like concern for their sexual health. It was more so like I'm concerned that like shit's abnormal so just you know play it by ear do it on a personal basis um if any my lovers hear this they're probably be like do you have hpv like and we can have that conversation if you want to have it and i'm going to tell you everything that you just listened to on this podcast so um leave it up to you i mean using condoms again is the way to go i mean you don't know what people are out here doing in these streets so you know strap it wrap it do what you gotta do um but yeah that is pretty much today's episode (laughs) kind of just really aired my dirty laundry out there but I kind of plan on doing that some more um as as the new episodes go like I said I want to get more personal I don't want to just spew like all these facts out at you guys I want to you know, share things that are happening with me and how like the last two weeks have been very traumatizing for my cervix and pretty much my body. Oh, and on top of that, so I got the pap smear. Then a week later, I got the colposcopy. And as if the colposcopy and the liquid bandaid they put on my cervix wasn't enough and like the shedding that they said I was going to have wasn't enough. I had a Brazilian wax scheduled the next day. Um, the next morning. So I got the colposcopy on Friday and I had an appointment for a Brazilian wax on Saturday. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm still getting it. Nothing's going to stop me. There's already trauma happening down there. Might as well just put the icing on the cake or the wax on the pussy because that's pretty much what happened. So I went in the next day and I was telling my waxing girl, I was like, yeah, like yesterday I just got a colposcopy and she's like, and you turned around and came here the next day to do this. And I'm like, might as well just kind of finish off the trauma, right? Like 
blunt force on the inside, blunt force on the outside. Might as well just do the whole package this week this weekend. So, um <laughs> another little personal story. So, and if you have any questions about Brazilian waxes and, you know, how that goes, let me know and I can do an episode on it. Um or like about pubes and how this there's all this, you know, people just want shit shaved, but like we don't expect that of men. And you know, again, being a woman is hard. I think that's the moral of this story today. Being a woman is hard and it's expensive. And it can be painful, but you know what? We still do it. So I'm going to leave it right there for you guys. You know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Let me know other topics you'd like to hear on the Sex Ed Enthusiast podcast. And as always, you can find my show notes in the description. Um, That's going to include my references for information as well as social media links. And, you know, make sure to follow that tap button. Share this on your Instagram stories, on Twitter, wherever it is. Make sure to share this podcast so we can uh, get more listeners and I can keep, you know, feeling fuel to create more content, you know, I mean, I guess you guys don't have to do that. I can come up with that within myself, but it's really nice and it feels really good to see people share the podcast and that you're taking the time, you know, to, you know, share my words with others. So that means a lot. Um, And I can't thank you guys enough for listening. So until next time, as always, make good choices. 